Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week we bring you a pair of best friends. Ghost Dog and Dead Man. Doesn't that sound cuddly? For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. So I guess welcome to a horrible week for pop culture. You guys guys need to start living in my reality where I just assume everyone's a piece of shit. Yeah, no, I'm I'm there with you. And then whenever they do something good, I'm like, hey, that piece of shit did something good there. I I don't give them that much credit. I always assume there's an ulterior motive if they've done something good. All human beings are terrible. It's just how it is. What is this latest article? Joss Sweden not being alone with Michelle Trachtenberg? Is that as he bad apparently, as the, the, There's no details. There was just a rule that he was not to be allowed alone in a room with Michelle Trachtenberg anymore. I don't know what the word anymore means. Well, I mean... Judging I by the other comments. stories uh, uh, that I've read about him, he probably said something super fucking abusive and assholey to her. Yeah. Well, I'm just hoping that's all it is. But let's let's keep in mind that all this is is turns out Joss Whedon's an asshole boss. I've had asshole bosses before, so I don't telling telling one of your employees to get an abortion, and then whenever she doesn't do it, firing her is a little more than your average asshole boss. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I worked in an office once where one of the bosses would randomly pick female employees and make them act as secretary, even though that wasn't their job, just based on their being Woo! And uh, I was pretty Yeah, bad. but he was probably just a big fan of Mad Men. <laughs> no, this, uh, I think this might be pre-Mad Men. Oh. Am I old enough that I worked in an office pre-Mad Men? This might be my real problem with the day. <laughs> 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 uh... Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's like... a, just think of the insanity of the world we're living in. Forty-four senators voted the other day that if a president commits a crime in his last month in office, that it should be unconstitutional to hold him accountable. Right. I well, mean, that can, is can we just take a step back? back can we just take a step back? There are supposed to be the juries in a trial. Since when is that how it works? You just ask a jury if they think something's un- unconstitutional. You don't base it in fact or law. You just ask what their opinion is on the matter and vote on it. Why is that even happening? Well, some of them aren't even showing up for the trial. Yeah. So apparently I'm just going to use that next time I got jury duty. And I'm just, 
in the middle of the trial, I'm going to get up and be like, well, Congress, you could just get up and leave and not even come back. So I figured that that's safe for everybody. I think they said three of them were literally playing with Etch-A-Sketches while they were playing a video of a cop being beaten. Yeah. Yeah. Horrible people. America. Keep in mind, everyone, everyone in power is by definition evil. That's just how it is. If somebody's the boss in your office, they're inherently not qualified to be the boss in your office because it, by definition, the people who apply for the job of boss are unqualified to do it. And that goes right up the ladder. That's the manager at McDonald's is unqualified to be the manager because if he was qualified, he wouldn't have applied for the job. And that means that's true in every office. That's true in every political position, whether it's your local city council all the way up to fucking. I don't know if I buy that explanation. By definition, if you apply for the job, you're almost inevitably unqualified for it because the kind of people who want power over other people should not have power over other people. I guess. With great um, power comes great responsibility, and that is not how they see it. They see it as with great power comes everybody else's responsibility to do what I say. All right. Calm down, Uncle Ben. Let's not get crazy. Uh, then one of our favorite shows fired somebody for being horrible. Yeah, I mean, she, t- the, they were extremely tolerant of her saying dumb shit. And I just think the last one was too much. If if anyone, I, I defy you, anyone at any job clocked up from their job, walked up to the street corner and screamed that tweet aloud into the ether, they would also be fired from their job. Yeah. Well, no, and this is the thing. When you're in a public job, such as an actor or anybody else, public relations is a significant part of that job. If you're creating public relations headaches for them, especially like in her case, where it's like, it's so easy to get rid of her right now because they're in the midst of like switching up the storylines and all they have to do is like not go back to her. It's so, it's so simple. It's like, that's just, that's just, that was just dumb on her part. Just if, if you're, if you're trying to be famous, don't have social media accounts or hire people to run them for you or whatever. So they're just for professional. Don't mm-hmm. fucking just start tweeting your own opinions out there because you're going to piss off the wrong people. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Cause I mean, my opinion of it is I like her as an actress. I liked her character on the show. But her behavior as an employee, she should have been fired. Like, I, that's, that's the end of it. I, I don't. What, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to keep a terrible employee because they do something good? Well, I mean, a lot of people are in their jobs that are terrible people, but they do their particular job well, so they're allowed to keep doing it. I don't it. see, but I can't like I can't think of a single place that I've worked that even if you were good at your job, if you were just randomly saying terrible shit like that, that you wouldn't get shit canned. Well, what if you got promoted to a management position before you said the terrible shit, then you'd probably be defended. That's my experience. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. It's just weird. Fuck, fuck her. I don't, I don't know what to say. Fuck her. I just, fuck her. I, again, I hope, like, I hope tomorrow I, I, she wakes up and she figures out that she fucked up and she turns her whole career around and comes back and is more famous than ever. But until then, fuck her. I don't give a shit. I don't, I don't really have, I don't really care that much about the whole situation. 
Yeah. But I, I mean, I, I, just, I don't, it I don't fascinates care. Me these people who are given second chances and do the shit like, like it's not like this is her first run in. And obviously somebody at Disney sat her down and said, quit tweeting shit that causes us headaches. And then she just kept doing it. And then they're like, fine, then you don't have a contract anymore. That's part of the job. Yeah, I'm fine with her leaving. It's all, um, some people were petitioning they should just bring Lucy Lawless in to play her character. No, don't recast Uh, the character. That's stupid. No, I mean, I don't think it either, but I do like Lucy Lawless. That would be a weird decision. Let's have this actress over twice her age replace her. Eh. I don't have a problem with bringing Lucy Lawless in in some other role. I don't care. No, I don't either. I, I'm not a fan of recasting characters, especially when they're so simple to write. How hard yeah. would it be to just not have them mention her ever again, or drop a line of dialogue about how she moved to wherever? Make I saw people. <laughs> I saw. I saw lots of memes that she was going to get the poochie treatment from Simpsons. <laughs> like I have to go back to my home planet now. She died on the way back to her home planet. Her home planet was Alderaan, wasn't it? I know. That's why she could never find it. That's why she died. I feel, I feel like she knows that it blew up. I think that was kind of why she was so angry all the time, actually. Oh, I don't have. I, you say what you want about the actress, but don't do this to the character. Don't, don't make the character so dumb that she forgets her home planet got blown up. <laughs> yeah. So then the uh, the bad part of it is that I, for past two days, I've had to argue with people. Uh, as Doug pointed out, that always works fantastically on, on the internet. Give up on um, well, they're coming onto my post and saying shit, so then I have to like block them. Or, or no, because they're they're people I do like for the most part until they start dumb shit like this. But or, now they're gone. One guy was trying to uh, say that he thinks uh, Charisma Carpenter was just doing all this to get publicity. And I'm just like, dude, that's not a good stance to take on this scenario. Well, not when all of the other employees from the same show are back. Yeah. Yeah. Although there is like some weird shit. Like if you go back and watch how people talked closer to when Buffy was on, they certainly didn't have this many negative things to say. No, but also I think people were scared they're going to get fired and then never work again, which is a realistic fear. It is, but I also think it sometimes plays into this thing where people don't realize how big of an asshole they're being because nobody's telling them. Yeah. Problem sometimes, and it just the situation then snowballs to the point where it doesn't matter what you say to them because now they're in that moment. Yeah. Sure. I get that too. Yeah. I mean, it's just we can all hope that we get better with time. I know there were times in my life where I was a piece of shit. Oh, I was definitely a piece of shit, but right. this was all before uh, social media was invented, so I can at least... Yeah, yeah so I was I was actually perfect until social media was invented. I don't know if you guys yeah. know that. Uh, I dare you yeah. to find proof otherwise. And it's all, I also don't have a job where I have a uh, code of conduct rule in it either. I probably do at my work. Maybe I shouldn't say all the shit I say on this podcast. No, well, maybe. <laughs> I start sending episodes over to your boss on a weekly basis. Yeah, my boss isn't all that tech savvy. She probably come to me for help on how to play him. <laughs> hey, hey guys, you know what would make us all feel a lot better? 
I, I bet not what you're about to say. Not, not what I'm about to say because God damn it, Doug. God damn it. <laughs> hey, this is not my doing. You, This is your guys' fault. Uh, I was content to just know that there was a movie called Ghost Dog, to never see that movie, and to move on with life. I had already even done my Jim Jarmusch episode, and I watched movies that I liked a lot more than these ones. What's <laughs> that one? I don't know. We'll we'll talk about it. Ghost Dog's not my biggest problem in this whole scenario. Well, I I, I, I feel like there's going to be a sense of agreement. Uh, well, Doug, why don't you tell us about Dead Man, and then we can finally get to Ghost Dog, which is the most important part of this episode. So, Dead Man is a pretentious art house western starring Johnny Depp. <laughs> don't, hold, don't hold back. Tell us your true feelings. So, Johnny Depp plays this accountant guy who is traveling to some remote town to take a new job. And he meets a some interesting characters on the way there gets there finds out the job is no longer available um is kind of just left wandering because he doesn't have enough money to leave town which i did respect the hell out of him because in this scenario he does exactly the right thing he goes to the saloon buys the biggest bottle of booze he can with the last bit of money he's got because fuck it it's not enough for a room and it's not enough for a train ticket i might as well enjoy myself um has a run-in with a girl her ex-fiance or whatever the fuck shows back up every one of these characters i'm mentioning by the way is played by like a huge name actor that should only be in good movies right right <laughs> let's, let's let's run that through real quick so you've got johnny depp crispin glover lance hendrickson michael wincott eugene bird john fucking hurt uh robert mitchum iggy pop gabriel Byrne, jared fucking harris and uh, Billy Bob Thornton, fucking Alfred Molina. This this movie is nonstop great fucking actors. Neil Young does all the music for it. Just to throw that in there, because might as well I, another I cool have, guy involved. I wouldn't have known that by the uh, god-awful guitar drone that is the fucking soundtrack to this fucking movie. Well, because apparently much of it was improvised. They just put the movie on for Neil Young and let him play through once and then just use that. Yep. <laughs> I, damn it. <laughs> Anyways. Continue. Um, so whatever happens, Johnny Depp ends up, he is shot and injured. The girl is killed and the ex-fiance is killed. Johnny Depp is now on the run and there are some bounty hunters chasing him as well as you know just the standard wanted dead or alive posters up everywhere he encounters i'm gonna say indian not native american because the accurate description of this character is not native american um who becomes sort of his guide on this journey and he just spends the rest of the movie wandering meeting weird and interesting characters along the way until he eventually dies from the bullet that's been in his chest the whole time and from some other bullets that he takes as well. Um, that's the plot. <laughs> it's in black and white, by the way, for some reason. Or silver, as my four-year-old refers to black and white television. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> uh, there's a bunch of things. So, so first of all, I, I get it. I get what it's supposed to be. You it's do? supposed to be this uh, divine comedy style thing where this is his, like, journey through death essentially does it does that make sense yeah i guess i mean and they the said time, it they set it up from the very beginning of the movie with the fact that 
he's facing one direction in the train and everyone else is facing the other direction and he's going to the end yeah. of the line. You, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's pretty obvious. It, it is, yeah. But that having been said, I don't... Like, I kept trying to find information online about, like, is this a retelling of another myth kind of thing? And it's not. So it's like, you can't just make up your own death myth at... 1995 like there's enough out there tie it into some old story but they don't do that so it's kind of weird that way did you guys uh, when you when you guys saw crispin glover did you get really uncomfortable for a second because for a second i was confused about the coal dust on his face and i was like oh no is that crispin glover black <laughs> well i was trying so to bad. figure it out i'm like is he supposed to be just dirty or is he or is this another problem yeah it's uh, supposed I, to be it's supposed to be coal dust he's the coal shoveler from the track yeah, i I, oh. I got uncomfortable, but just normal Crispin Glover uncomfortable, not... <laughs> I didn't think what you guys were thinking. I didn't even really pick up that he was the coal shoveler. I, no, I, I thought that was pretty obvious. I didn't have a problem oh. with it. It doesn't... Like, I mean, if you took a still photograph of it, I can see what you guys are saying. It does kind of look like old-timey blackface. Yeah. And I can see that, but... Um, yeah. At the end of the day, I think it was... In the context of the movie, I wasn't... I didn't have any questions like that. Yeah, this... This movie is unforgivable for a lot of reasons. I think the biggest reason with the cast <laughs> unforgivably boring. Has, that well, that's what I'm saying. With the cast that this movie has, and he, here's my argument. So you've got a, a shit ton of great actors. You've yep. actually got a fairly fucking interesting story on paper, right? So yeah. you know the guy has sex with a girl, kills the guy, turns out it's this asshole, and then he ends up wanted, and it's it's well, him surviving and, and traveling through the wilderness, right? That's that's a good movie. That's that's a hunted man movie. That's a pretty classic plot. Yeah, it's a classic Western plot, and it's a classic, like, you know, the old, like, 50s Westerns, pre, like, the spaghetti Westerns. And it, they're obviously, just by having Robert Mitchum in the film and by the way certain things are shot and even the way it kind of fades in and out between certain scenes, they're obviously, like, either paying tribute to those old Westerns or kind of sending up those old Westerns, depending on whether you think this movie's funny or not. Um, but those old Westerns are also usually, like, an hour ten. And if this movie was an hour 10, I don't think I'd have had so many problems with it. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then I was going to say, and once each individual character on paper should be an interesting character, but there's no fucking character development because despite the fact that this movie is fucking long as dog shit, it's long as dog shit because of these lingering, stupid, pretentious art house fuck shots that serve no goddamn purpose other than masturbation. Like, that's it. It's just filmmaking masturbation. When you have all this great stuff you could be doing. I'll, I'll even take it a step further, though, is like. You don't necessarily need character development because this is effectively a road trip movie, right? He moves along just like when Jay and Silent Bob were trying to get to Hollywood or any other countless options. If he moves along, he, he encounters interesting characters, he interacts with them briefly, and then he keeps going. And that's fine if that's what you're doing. But if that's what you're doing, then this movie can't be this goddamn slow. You know what I mean? Like it's if, cause yeah, when he runs into the, the trio, that's like Billy Bob Port Thornton and, uh, 
Iggy Pop in a dress and whoever else is there. It's like, yeah, that's mildly funny. And if that was, you know, if that five minutes happened in a slightly faster paced film and you were just kind of moving along and having a chuckle, okay, great. But you're right, then there's like several minutes of just art housey shots that don't serve a purpose and yeah they right some of them look pretty but it's like if i want a painting i'll buy a painting i'm trying to watch a fucking movie here yeah that's what i'm saying you cut those scenes out and you make billy bob and iggy pop in them five minutes longer because that's the interesting thing i mean i i mean the whole thing's i i had a good time with that scene whatever the dude gets shot in the foot and billy bob (laughs) it's billy bob thornton's character and he takes like a three beat pause and then all of a sudden he's like ow god damn it (laughs) no i I laughed out loud when that happened it's just the problem is then there was a long time between anything else happening right 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 and so so you've got once again you've got all these actors who are so fucking good at delivering dialogue and instead the majority of the dialogue we get in this movie is the nobody character f- fucking just talking nonsense. Yeah. Like not even it, it, it's supposed to be, Oh, here's these deep spiritual fucking woo woo bullshit. You, you know what I mean? But, but it's not, it's, it's not deep spiritual woo woo bullshit. No, it's just some an... assholes, weird self musings, which once again, it's all masturbatory. This is the writer of this movie going, oh, I'm so clever. Let me just touch myself. No, but, but the thing about that is that the Johnny Depp character flat out calls him out on it multiple times. So he'll just be like, I have no idea what you're babbling about. Right. And it's like, yeah, that he, like Johnny Depp is speaking on behalf of the audience at that point. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I don't know why you're saying all these things. Like, it's not this deep spiritual stuff and it's not just normal stuff. Because when he finally gives that one speech where he, uh, nobody gives his history of being like taken prisoner and shown off in England to the, you know what I mean? As like, a, isn't this the weird red man from the new world kind of thing? That story is really cool. If the whole movie was him telling stories like that and delving into his backstory, that might be interesting. But then he, he the next time he talks, it's just bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Yeah. And I also I, I don't know. I, I thought I thought the idea of the main character being named William Blake was kind of clever. You know what I mean? And having the whole thing where <laughs> nobody thinks he actually is the William Blake instead of just a William Blake. Well, and again, that would be funny in a different movie. If you're making a funny movie, make a funny movie. I, and you're right. That joke could be funny in a different movie. And it works in the same movie as Billy Bob getting shot and then waiting several minutes before reacting. Those can, those can be funny moments, but like pretentious art house comedy. Is that what this is supposed to be? I don't know. I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't agree that that should exist. Well, I'd read some of his lines too, were lines from William Blake poetry. Yes. I don't, I don't know any of that stuff. So I, I don't know William Blake it, poetry, but... but I could figure out, based on the context that that's what he was doing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. My my opinion of this is that this filmmaker was given absolutely everything you could ask for to make a great movie and instead made a piece of shit. It's yeah. Like I don't think I hated it as much as you did from the sounds of it, but it is definitely just like like tonally it's all over the place like it's sometimes it is this weird art house movie other times it's just like a comedy and you're like the comedy actually kind of works so maybe run with that 
Maybe you need somebody in the editing room to just cut it down and just highlight those areas. Um, like the plot is, like you say, it's a typical Western plot, nothing too exciting, but you can make good movies out of that. You know, if you're trying to do it in a way where you're sending up Westerns, there's a way to do that. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's arrogant. The filmmaking is arrogant. And I, I don't want to watch that necessarily. Yeah. Yeah, I got about halfway through this movie and then started more or less skimming through the rest of the movie. Yeah. So. Well, I ended up... Go ahead. Because I was going to say, so kind of would see, oh, here's something that looks like something interesting is going on. And I'd watch it for a couple minutes, realize it wasn't that interesting, and move along. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you could argue that that's not giving the film a fair shake. I will say yeah, this. It's, I watched it's it. definitely not, but I'm just was not in the mood for. Well, <laughs> well, let's pull back the curtain a little bit. Four hours of this because <laughs> I had two movies to watch right before we recorded. Yeah, I ended up watching Dead Man over two nights because um, not because I wanted to. I got interrupted and I was watching it through the Criterion Channel, and it turns out if you turn your movie off and you turn it back on, you can't it doesn't save your spot for you. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> that was frustrating when I just I didn't have it in me to track down where I was. I like, like I like I to imagine that, that Criterion did that on purpose. Just for me. They were like, <laughs> no, 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 no. You don't get to pause a fill. What sounds like something fucking fill. Sounds like something no. Criterion would do. It I I, th- I believe it is intentional. Um mm. I also think because they're like, do you guys remember when Criterion first came along? They used to even release some movies on DVD that had no chapter settings, so you watch the whole movie or nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think that this is an extension of that. Um, but like, like anyways, my my point was like, I just when it came time to go back to it and watch the last like half hour or whatever I had left, it was just like ah, oh, like as I'm fast forwarding to it, I'm like I kind of don't want this to work as I, you know, like I, I'm hoping that I, like I, and, and that ending when they get to that Indian tribe or whatever the hell like and I'm sure it's I'm sure that there's somebody could write an essay and explain that that whole scene is symbolic of something 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 and I'm just like I just I just don't care like it's just you're not you're not doing the pretentious art house thing well enough to keep me interested you're ruining the parts that are funny by going back and forth to the pretentious stuff. You've, I mean, you've moved on at this point from being, you know, a tribute to old westerns that could have been interesting. Uh, it's just, it's just a big swing and a miss, I think. Yeah. I'm trying to do too many things at once. Well, I'm just looking at his IMDb, trying to figure out, like, okay, so what did he do that warranted him to get? like this fucking cast i don't know um the only thing i can think of is that he did some music videos for tom waits and maybe that was enough because you know how people drool all over tom waits yeah i almost said for some reason like i don't know he's uh, i find him okay but other people worship him so fine that's fine though uh, like that's yeah yeah, because uh, he he did a movie called Night on Earth in between two Tom Waits uh, videos, 
And that's, I mean, it's not like a stacked cast like like Dead Man, but I mean, it's got Winona Ryder, Rosie Perez, uh, Giancarlo Esposito, who at the time wasn't a big name like he is now. And so, I mean, it's it's not like an unknown cast. I just don't understand. Like, if you look at it though, this was also in 1995, right? And yeah. That's the time period where guys like, you know, Fincher were operating. People wanted to be in these sort of higher brow movies. Mm. Um, you know, and there was also a lot of guys coming out of music videos that were making big names for themselves. So you combine those two things. Maybe you get a lot of actors trying to trying to yeah. be hoping that what they're going to get is something great. And I, su- I, I suppose this yeah. is also Johnny Depp on the upswing, right? Oh, for sure. This is exactly the type of movies that Johnny Depp was doing. Like, th- this isn't surprising whatsoever. Right. Like, it was but not maybe, too long after this. I'm, I'm thinking maybe all these people were thinking this is going to be a big draw because of Johnny Depp, so we should all just top on board. Yeah, because this would be a couple of years after Gilbert Grave, right? Which is good version of Johnny Depp doing art house type movies with supposed messages in them and stuff. Uh, don't know. I feel like that was 92, 93, but I could be wrong. I'm pulling up his IMDb now. Uh, let's see. Let's go to mid nineties. Uh, also just to ex- extrapolate on why these people yeah. would be in this movie. Most of these people have very small parts, so they're probably filming for a day or two. Right. For uh, sure. You know, and a day or two, and like we say, on paper, a lot of this stuff looked pretty good. And individually, individually, I don't think there are that many scenes that if you just watch just, you know, here's just the Billy Bob Thornton scene. Here's just the scene at the factory where John Hurt and Robert Mitchum work. Here's just the scene where the shootout with Gabriel Byrne happens. If you watch those scenes individually, they're good. And I think that that's the thing. Like, these great actors are given this opportunity to do a good scene working in, and they don't really necessarily know what the final product is going to look like because it's yeah. really only the actor that plays nobody and Johnny Depp that are actually in the whole movie and then the three bounty hunters which is like Lance mm. Henriksen the guy from The Crow and another guy yeah this movie this movie needed a hundred percent more Lance Henriksen we should I'll just like if anybody wants to know what the highlight of the movie is because we've said all these negative things and we've mentioned a couple of good things, but there is a moment early in the movie where somebody accuses Lance Henriksen of being a cannibal, and then later on, that guy pisses Lance Henriksen off, and it's just like fade to black, fade in on Lance just eating the guy's arm, <laughs> just holding up a human <laughs> arm that he's cooked over a fire and eating it. And uh, if that that scene made me want to applaud. Like it was just perfectly done, and it was just—it's just Lance because he's Lance, right? So I, everyone knows exactly I was how he's say, behaving. Every one of his scenes is like this dynamite. The the scene where he and the uh, the black bounty hunter are having the fight, yeah, and the guy's getting ready to drink water from that puddle, and he's like, "Don't do that." And the guy's like, "Fuck you! I'll do whatever you want." It's like, "Don't do that," and he's like, "Why not?" And he goes, "It's bad for your health." The guy turns around to drink and he just shoots him in the back of the fucking head. <laughs> yeah, Lance really shines in this movie. I, but like, when he's on screen, I love him. It's just he doesn't get enough screen time because they're busy doing other things. Again, bring this plot down a bit. And make it about these three bounty hunters chasing this guy through the wilderness. Yeah. Make it an actual typical Western film. And you, you'd have you know a better movie. 
You know, it's funny. I, I think I would watch this movie again under the condition that somebody did whatever is the opposite of a director's cut. Just somebody else comes in and just edits out all the director's bullshit and just puts I, in the good scenes in order. The thing is, like, what, like, I think there is a good movie in here, and that's what's really interesting about this, is that, like, as we talk through every scene, I'm like, yeah, I know I liked the part with Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah, I know I liked everything with Lance Henriksen. I liked some of what nobody had to do. He was just, you know, like, like I said, I liked his one big speech. I didn't necessarily like all of the little tidbits of knowledge that he kept spouting for no good reason. But, you know, I, di- I didn't understand why we had to have that scene where we saw his ass. I thought that was inappropriate. Um, fat people should wear pants on camera. That's my official stance. <laughs> but it's just, uh, I, you know, like you could have, I feel like you could have edited this down into a fun Western movie. I don't know why the film was in black and white other than just, again, art house nonsense, you know? Uh, at the time, it would have been cheaper. I mean, maybe, and if that's what it was, but, you know, because, I mean, this is uh, one year post-Clerks. I don't complain about Clerks being in black and white, but Clerks doesn't have fucking uh, a $500 million cast. Right. Uh, so Johnny Depp did What's Eating Gilbert Grape and Benny and June in 1993, and those were kind of two big movies for him. Yeah. Uh, then he did Ed Wood in 94, uh, so he was right in the, in the wheelhouse of this like pretentious art house stuff, but he was just on the winning side of it in the years leading up to this. Yeah. And then he did this, and then he did a movie called Nick of Time after this. Yeah. And then Donnie Brasco a couple years later. So yeah, he started to go more mainstream after this. This was kind of like his... Yeah, well, yeah. Because then a couple years after after this, three years later, he did Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Yeah. But that I don't was know if I would call that one. Project. Yeah, I don't know if I. Yeah, he, I wouldn't call play, it. One. He played his own friend yeah. in the movie, so exactly. Like project yeah. Form at that point. Yeah, I guess I would say '99. He did Sleepy Hollow, and that's probably that's way that's, more. That's the extra. downswing. That's where the downswing is. <laughs> what? Sleepy Hollow is a shit. Right? I don't agree with that, that's, but we will save a Tim Burton debate for another time, right? Yeah. Um, now it seems like this director has like his thing is he has really good ideas for scenes, yeah, but doesn't have a good way to connect them. And I'm wondering if that would work better for the movie he did before this one I was just talking about. What's it called? Uh, Night on Earth because it's a collection of shorts about cab drivers in different countries and i'm assuming well that sounds interesting yeah and they would interact with different you know interesting people they would pick up and it sounds like it's just like a collection of stories and i feel like that would work a lot better than having the same characters you know going through all of these connecting scenes but not really advancing the story that much yeah, well, and the two movies we covered the last time we did uh, a Jim Jarmusch episode were both sort of art housey films, but they did move along better than these ones, so he's definitely improved.
approved in that sense, or he's got somebody doing the editing for him. I'm not sure what their story is exactly. Yeah. But, you know, it was a, they were also movies that had, you know, good casts. And, you know, the one is, you know, mainly two characters in the house, and it was still managed to be interesting in a way. And the, the conversations were good in a way that the conversations in this film, when there's two characters alone for long stretches, just aren't as interesting. So that was only Lovers Left Alive is the one that is actually pretty good. Yeah. That was a bit on my watch list, but I haven't got a... Uh, yeah. These movies didn't convince you to just go down the IMDb and watch uh, it, it did not. I've actually seen um, Broken Flowers before and Coffee and Cigarettes, which looks like it started out as three short films, but I've seen like the collected version of it. Yeah. And that was okay. I mean, it's still kind of pretentious. It's literally just people having conversations while smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee. And that's that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, we've yeah. been using pretentious as a criticism throughout this conversation. And in the case of this film, I think it's true. But, you know, there is room for art house cinema that is still good to watch and that you can still respect it when you watch it. Yeah. I, I just don't think this film was it. I just... Being being highbrow and being intelligent is not the same as being pretentious, and I think that's that's the issue. This there's is a, there's a there's a connection between the two though that can't be denied. Most things that are highbrow are also pretentious. See, I just I don't necessarily yeah. believe that that's true. Yeah. Um, I don't know. The <laughs> the uh, I was going to bring up the one segment out of Coffee and Cigarettes that I thought was pretty good was. Uh, it's it's the RZA and someone else from the Wu Tang Clan sitting and having coffee, and then Bill Murray comes in as Bill Murray and I just like it. Inter- interrupts what they were talking about, and they start talking about how awesome it is that he's Bill Murray. <laughs> uh, Strange. I need to rewatch it, but I just remember that section being kind of funny. But I can't vouch for anything else. It's all in black and white, too, so. (laughs) I think I've reached I've reached a stage. I don't I don't trust anybody that makes a movie in black and white. Again, this was like the 90s, so it may have just been cheaper, but maybe I don't know. If it was just the black and white thing, I don't think we'd be this frustrated. (laughs) I don't think a movie being black and white makes it a bad movie. But a person making the conscious choice to make a black and white movie makes me distrust them as a director. Oh, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so don't watch this movie. It's it's way too long. It's like two hours of your life. You'll never get that back. Um, if you were interested, Doug, yeah, that uh, Night on Earth movie I believe was put out by Criterion, so maybe on your Criterion channel. Trial, fourteen day free trial. Yeah, maybe. We'll so, see. I don't know. See how it goes. I'm I'm also starting to not trust Criterion. <laughs> oh, Criterion is not just because something is given the Criterion treatment does not make it quality. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't yeah, buy something just because it's Criterion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's. I was going to say because it's interesting that in the Criterion collection, there are movies that I'm like 100%. This movie should absolutely have this preserved 
criterion status, and then other ones you're like, what the fuck? Look, as soon, as, soon as they put Armageddon and The Rock in the Criterion Collection, I was kind of like, oh, okay, so we don't need to worry about... So we're done with that now. <laughs> if this is pretentious or not. Yeah. Let's watch this three-and-a-half-hour samurai movie, and then... <laughs> uh, wait, what? Why is Nicolas Cage in here? <laughs> I almost watched that jiu-jitsu movie this week, so... Uh, I've heard I should watch the like I have the Armageddon one because I just at the time was like oh I want Armageddon on DVD because why not Um, and I haven't watched it but I've heard I should watch it with the commentary because apparently Billy Bob Thornton gets bored halfway through doing the commentary and just starts doing his character from uh, Sling Blade while talking about the movie (laughs) alright that's delightful (laughs) All right. All right. We, Next movie. Right. We were as meandering as the film during that discussion. Yeah. Let's see if we can stay a little more on target for the next All right. one. <laughs> well, Noah, do you want to tell us about Ghost Dog? Ghost Dog! Ghost Dog! Uh, is about a guy who is an assassin, or I guess more like a mafia mafiosa hitman, uh, who is attempting to live his life as in the way of the samurai based off a book. Uh, he has through a weird happenstance become the retainer of this one specific mobster. He's sent to kill a guy who's fucking the boss's daughter. Uh, once again, through just some shenanigans, she happens to be there and the boss decides that the assassin who has delivered on every single contract he's ever been given and done exactly what he was supposed to do and didn't hurt the daughter needs to die, which is I think that was fair. Pretty fucking stupid. I mean, not just not fair, stupid. It's fucking stupid. In uh, the rest of the movie kind of ends up being uh, Forrest Whitaker's character basically takes out the entire mafia except for the guy who is his uh, his daimo in you know the the samurai way, and then that guy kills him because he killed all of his people, and that's kind of his code warrants that. And somehow this is supposed to be honorable and positive according to this film. Well, everybody lives by their own code, and nobody's willing to break that code at any point in time, and that's considered a good thing. Yeah, but yeah, the the problem being their codes are stupid. Well, okay, <laughs> I, I'm I passing mean, moral judgment. Yeah, well, it's okay. pretty easy to pass moral judgment in this particular circumstance. The codes are fucking stupid. If if the code requires you, so you send a guy to kill a guy who is part of your little family, but then you insist that you have to kill the guy who you had killed he has to die because he killed somebody that's in the family that's the dumbest it's just fucking stupid like it's it's stupid on a level that is just un unimaginable i don't i do not believe donald trump is that fucking stupid and and he's the dumbest motherfucker ever let's give donald trump a lot of credit anyways let's not Let's not get dragged into that. Um, I'm sorry. I was just trying to think of somebody stupid, and he's the, he's the dumbest motherfucker I could think of. 
Anyways, I will concede that the first few minutes of the movie is dumb and convoluted to get us to its ghost dog versus the entire mafia. And it doesn't really matter how we get there because that, that's all the first three minutes of the movie. And the rest of it is what's important. And the rest of it's a lot better. It's a lot less stupid. But the director is unable to not edit in his pretentious art house crap. <laughs> Which is why there's a samurai in this movie, and there's no need for one whatsoever. Like, if the Forrest Whitaker character, you could still call him Ghost Dog, you could still have him do almost Ghost everything Dog. else, except Ghost edit out the samurai nonsense that doesn't make any sense anyway. Like, we see him training with a samurai sword, but he doesn't, when he goes to kill people, he doesn't use a samurai sword. So well, he doesn't use that. a samurai sword, but every time he holsters his gun, he does swing it as if it were a samurai sword. Yeah, but that's Be- neither. That's not good. That's because not good thing. because the director is not good. Yeah. Because the thing is, like, put aside. I don't want to get into a debate about whether the codes are stupid or not. But let's the whole idea of you've got this one like lone killer. The mafia turns on him. He has to kind of evade them and take him out. And he's this like known quantity. Like even the fact that he's like this known quantity in this neighborhood, and he's everyone kind of knows who he is. He's that weird guy that lives up there, and no one knows that he's this killer guy. Like there's some interesting stuff that could go on there, and you yeah, could that- make a cool action movie out of it, or you could make more of like a revenge thriller out of it. There's lots like, to go on there, but that's that's one of the things I liked is that everybody in his neighborhood knows who he is. Yeah, like when they see him, like, oh, it's Ghost Dog. Hey, Ghost Dog, and stuff. And I kind of liked all that stuff. Did you pick up on the like the subtleties of like? First, there's the gang of guys in all red, and they know who he is and respect him. But then the gang of guys in all blue also know who he is and all respect him. So he's above like the Crips Bloods thing, which was pretty heavy handed. And I'm like, (laughs) and then they have him like randomly like lending books to little girls in the park to let everyone know how good a guy he is. Yeah. And you're just like, but that's all the stuff. Doesn't... That's all the stuff I kind of like, though. I like, yeah. I like yeah. that he was just like above all this because they know, like, oh, he's like a spiritual kind of dude, so he doesn't get involved with conflict and stuff. So this like gang stuff we got going on, like he's above all of that. Yeah, and everybody respects him for it. And you're right. I liked that element of it. Um, the problem is then you've got him saying his samurai sayings and then they put them up on the screen and I didn't check but I'm going to go right ahead and assume that those aren't real samurai sayings because based on the fact that the last movie turned out not to be based on an actual myth Uh I'm assuming this one is not nobody researched the actual samurai way of life or they read one book and those quotes are all from that same book and I was just like it it was a lot because again like it's not the action stuff is done pretty well most of the kill scenes, if you, like, take away him twirling his gun like an idiot before he holsters it, is good. The weird... The the scene where he goes into the house and he kills all the people would have been way better if they hadn't had done that weird blur effect every time he spun. I don't, I don't know if they just had that. They were like, hey, we've got this camera trick, and pretentious McAsshole was like, ooh, we're going to use that. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that was actually used, like, more than it should have been 
during this era of filmmaking and i agree with you i don't really like it it's just i think it was cool at the time but at the time it was late 90s when movies weren't that good (laughs) yeah so the most important thing is is the uh is the ghost dog joke dead now because we've watched this movie (laughs) No, absolutely not. Okay, come on, you're not gonna keep Ralph, because keep our version this. of go, coffee go, and cigarettes no. is going on the fucking list. I'll tell you that much right now. <laughs> be, our version of Ghost Dog is much better than this film. I will agree with that. We've created a much better version of Ghost right. Dog. Ours is just Forrest Whitaker with a fucking katana, just fucking shit up on movie sets for no but reason. He, he doesn't fuck shit up with this katana. That's the most frustrating thing about this. But the he does in ours, and that's that's the important part. Ours yeah. doesn't exist. Like I said, ours is better. <laughs> it exists ghost dog. in our minds. Doug. He also doesn't <laughs> yell ghost dog a single time in this film, but in my head, <laughs> yeah. stand, the, the character doesn't yell out his own name as he's going around doing things. Yeah. Exactly. Ghost dog. Yeah, like I said, so so this this one was obviously it was better than Dead Man because oh yeah, it's it's more fun and more interesting. Like the yeah, and there's like room to breathe. It's still too long. Yes, you edit out the stuff with that kid for some reason. See, I don't mind the kid part, I, and I like the stuff with the the friend that only speaks French. The, the one joke that made me laugh every time was when they didn't understand each other, but they'd both say the exact same thing. I really enjoyed that joke. Well, I, I, I get that it's supposed to be a joke, but I thought it was a really, you know, this this dude and his pretension. Um, but it's supposed to be this idea of that they are best friends and that they are just kind of simpatico. You know what I mean? Yeah. That they really do get each other, even though they can't straight up communicate with each other yeah but which it is done, it was done in a fun way where he'd be like well it's starting to get dark and i've got some business to take care of i better go and then the other guy would just say the same be like well it's starting to get dark but he's speaking in french and neither of them knows what the other one's saying right uh, i liked it and for some reason i like the fact that and this is gonna sound really bad so first whitaker is uh, a little heavier than what you would expect a samurai to look like <laughs> and then you've just got this his best friend just keeps giving him free ice cream and i'm like well no wonder who's gonna say no to free ice cream right it's the most logical thing in this movie you're just like yep get the funny ice thing cream, is get overweight i was laying in the bedroom watching this and amanda came in and I was just like, hey, so what are you watching now? And she kind of laid down on the bed. And they were all like talking. He was, was talking to his friend and it was like, here, have some ice cream. And she's like, oh, now I want ice cream. Oh, dude, if there was ice cream in my house, I'd have eaten it during that. <laughs> I almost engaged in a debate in this movie when I was watching them, like because they start bad mouthing vanilla and pro- probably yeah. chocolate. And I'm like a vanilla guy. So I almost got into an argument with my TV during that scene. <laughs> You shut your mouth about vanilla, ghost dog. There was something about this stupid ice cream man that I found fascinating. And I started, like, wondering, like, why does he speak French? And then I'm like, maybe he's Haitian. And then I got, like, started putting a backstory to that character. And I'm like, I don't know why I care about this stupid ice cream man that just shows up every now and again for a fun moment. I have very, I have very strong opinions about vanilla ice cream. (laughs) I'm shocked. I just do. You have... 
strong opinions about everything. So I you do. don't need to ever say that you have a strong opinion Thank about you. something. Well, it's just so real, real vanilla ice cream, like made with like legit vanilla beans and stuff is one of the best things in the planet. Look what but, you did, Doug. But like imitation <laughs> vanilla did. ice cream is, is just, fucking boring and nasty and it should not exist. <sighs> Fuck. Ghost dog! French, French vanilla is better than regular <laughs> vanilla. Let's move on. Um, <laughs> I like French vanilla, too. Oh. I, I now, if you just got a regular vanilla, but it was from the French guy in the movie, would it be French vanilla? Who knows? It's complicated. More, more of a butter pecan myself. <laughs> I don't like nuts in my ice cream. <laughs> Did you guys... So... I'm I'm not the handiest guy in the world, but I I can repair most minor things in my house. This I bet you have strong opinions about being handy, though. Oh, he sure fucking does. <laughs> no, but the the scene where he unhooks the drain pipe in the basement and can yeah. look directly up through the sink. That bothered me so fucking much. I'm like, that is not the way the drains are set up ever in any house. That has yeah. never happened. No, you're right. You really found the problem with the film. I'm sure glad you're here to notice these things. <laughs> I just don't know how that doesn't bother everyone. Every drain in the world has has a P-trap in it. Every single one of them. I know. I honestly didn't even think about it until you just brought it up because I didn't care. I'm not thinking about it now. And I had already had to listen to you say that. God damn, you're a weirdo. <laughs> these things bother me I, why obviously, why would they do I would that see, i thought maybe somebody would bring up the fact that he spends several minutes first of all he steals a suit from a guy which is kind of funny because he has to track like a uh, a fat guy down to a dark alley to steal a suit from him and i thought that was a little funny that he's like i'm trying to figure out why he's watching this crowd and then it turns out he was just trying to find a fat guy to steal from okay. but, and why did he take the lady's dress he, why did he take the ladies' dress? I don't know because it was funny. And then he go, but then he, he so he gets that he changes. He switches the license plates on his car so he can hide. But then his whole plan is to go into the woods with a gun and watch them. And but then a bird lands on his gun, so he's like, I "Guess I can't shoot them from a distance because there's a bird here. I can't just wait for that bird to leave." So now that's when he does his thing where he goes and he sneaks into the house. But I'm still not sure why he needs to be in a stolen suit to sneak in the house if all his plan is is to walk in and shoot everybody. And why, like, if he's going to just walk in and shoot everybody, why do you need to change your license plates? Who's going to write down your license plate if everybody there is shot? It doesn't make any sense. So I thought maybe I don't get to that before you'd get to whether the fucking plumbing in the movie was accurate. Anyways. <laughs> well, I was, I was going to say, I, I think a lot of it boils down to weird things. Like you were talking about the fact that the, the blood and crip thing is supposed to represent the fact that he's he's above all these everyday petty concerns. But then he shoots the poachers. Yeah. Like, so he's clearly because not. He's, he's clearly he's, not above everyday concerns. He's, no, because he relates to bears because that French guy had a, the book about bears that he read. And he, he kept saying how he just basically describing bears as like a Forrest Whitaker type existence. And then that's why. So then they killed the bear. So then he killed them. If you if you see one, you got to take your shot. Yeah, I did. I did like the fact that they pointed out like some of the problem with those types of people's thinking. 
that there yeah, aren't no, there aren't I, many of them left. So if you see one, you got to kill it. And it's like, wait, wait, so your reason for killing it is that there aren't many of them left. Yeah, that, it was a, a fun little moment where they just pointed out the stupidity of that logic. And then, of course, like, you know, redneck guy just is like, well, you know, there aren't many colored folk around here either. And I'm like, oh, don't say that. <laughs> like, they're just making him hate hateful enough that you can kill him without anybody caring. So it doesn't sound like we're going to be doing a follow-up Jim Jarmusch episode anytime soon. This is our follow-up Jim Jarmusch episode. Well, <laughs> but I said we, not you. Anyways, I don't know. We'll see if you guys keep up your nonsense with the humor. Then I will put more of these movies on the list if you don't stop. As I, that is, well. That's how these movies got here. I don't think so. we've made a ghost dog reference in several episodes. You just awakened the dragon yet again. Yeah, it's true. Well, you you did this, Doug. Coming. You did this. Coffee and cigarettes and a collection of Tom Waits videos if you guys keep the shit up. That's what's oh, happening. see, I, I could get down with that. I fucking love Tom Waits. <laughs> I can't wait to hear you. Coffee and cigarettes, I would just pretend I couldn't find it. Oh, look, here's a free copy of it. I'm going to email it to you, Noah. Nope. Didn't get it. My email's broke. Well, that's I'm gonna put it I'm gonna put it in the drive. You're alright. Lost access. Can't get it oh. in the drive before. Well it's a good thing I'm down by Springfield. I'm gonna drive by your house. I have a copy of it. We're just gonna watch it together. No house no more. <laughs> that's not even how it works. See, every house in the world has to go up for sale in order to not exist and not be in your possession anymore. So I have real strong feelings about this. I don't think you're being accurate. Damn it. That's a <laughs> rock solid argument. <laughs> I think I'm starting to rub off on you, Doug. Oh, oh, don't rub I... off on people. That's how, that's, how you, that's, that's how you get canceled nowadays. You're no longer allowed in a room with me. I know that much. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the midnight drive-in at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Hey guys, this is Eric in Michigan. Uh, I was just calling in to let you know that uh, Doug was talking about quote-unquote, feminazi movies last week, like Black Christmas 2019. If you would like to check out a movie that is a Me Too movie done well, I would recommend, well, this recommendation is specifically for Noah and Doug. I tried to give Brian a recommendation on a movie last week, and he told me I'm not the boss of him. So yeah, what a jerk. He doesn't deserve to watch good movies. So Noah and Doug, I would recommend that you check out a movie called Promising Young Woman, uh, it just left theaters in my area. Uh, it is available for the $19.99 rape rental price, which I don't recommend for anybody. Uh, maybe wait till it drops to regular rental price. But it's a very well done movie uh, with a lot of those themes. Uh, it explores the problems, uh, particularly in America, with rape culture and the problems with our system but also highlights that uh, maybe the main character's behavior in the movie is also problematic. So, good movie. I recommend it for Doug and Noah. Uh, keep up the great work, Doug and Noah. Talk to you later.
Uh, all right. Well, we just—you just heard the voicemail from Eric, and since uh, Doug, you literally just listened to it. Uh, can you tell us what he's talking about? Because I definitely did not forget the original point of his phone call. His, well, the original point of his phone call is that he will no longer be recommending movies to you, and that yeah. only Noah and I are welcome to watch the movies that he recommends because you were mean to him on Facebook. <laughs> um, which I find I find hilarious because the amount of things I've said about Eric over the years for no reason whatsoever, <laughs> and he's never turned on me. <laughs> but you're whatever dumb shit you said to him has upset him and now you will not be watching the movie Promising Young Woman which he's recommending to Noah and I. Oh, that's right. That's what um, it was. Because it... I think it's weird because he's sort of praising the movie for victim blaming while addressing rape culture in its content. <laughs> um, but I... He also mentioned that it's currently 1999 to rent that movie. So... He was rent- he was recommending that to future Doug to future Doug who <laughs> might see it on Netflix one day and watch it. I've heard good things about the movie. I have no idea what it's actually about. Uh, I've been wanting to see it. It's been on my list, but I'm again, I'm, now. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm not going out to a theater to watch it, and I'm not going to rent it for twenty bucks. So when it comes down to a five or six dollar rental, I probably will. Yeah. What's it about? Um, so this woman starts, uh, she goes to bars, uh, she'll be all like drunk and tipsy and guys will pick up, pick her up thinking, oh, she's an easy score. So then they'll take her back to their apartment. And when they get there, she suddenly is a hundred percent stone cold sober and starts doing horrible things to them to teach them a lesson about, you know, date raping women essentially. Okay. Um, and then, you know. It just stuff unfolds. Is this a good idea? Is this something that is acceptable for her to be doing? So, so when he said her behavior is problematic, yeah, I think we can kind of agree that that's a little problematic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, even if um, even if some of the other people are also doing inappropriate things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I thought the trailer. I've seen the trailer a couple times. I thought it looked pretty decent. So, right. definitely want to check it out. Just I'm not going to because Eric told me to. I'm going to do it because I already wanted to. I will. Yeah, it it sounds like something I could watch and enjoy just Mm -hmm. whenever it's available for free because there's so much stuff available for free. (laughs) I know you could watch Space another time. I could probably. (laughs) I didn't watch it this week, so I'm due. I don't think anybody did. I don't know why this podcast is even still going on. And neither do I. All right, so no, but that's a. That sounds like an interesting suggestion from Eric. I'll at least, I'll put it on my to watch list, and then, yeah. you know, forget about it for decades, and maybe if we're still doing this podcast in twenty forty eight or something. I'm just be like, you guys remember that time Eric called? <laughs> we'll see. That one sounds like work. Does it? It does. But uh, McLovin is one of the people that she gets revenge on. Is that? Uh... Sorry, acceptable? Is it the character McLovin? Because if it's the character McLovin, I'll pay the 1999. <laughs> this, this is a, say, uh, that sounds like a very different movie. This is a, this is a super bad spinoff, yeah. Yeah. Um, so not really like a, an email or anything, um, but I'm looking through the Facebook right now, and yeah. you were Doug, you were having a conversation with uh, our friend Brian about Spaced. Was. Which will which will count as uh, us talking about spaced again this week? Um, 
because he said he started it, but he hadn't finished it. And you're like, how do you start it without finishing it? Uh, and he said he wasn't good enough to listen to the show. And he came up with like the best review of our show, which is you guys are the local dive bar podcast, warm, comforting, and serving up cheap laughs. So yeah, put that on the next poster. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, that's us. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's accurate. In the name of that dive bar, Ghost Dog. Ghost Dog. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> just the just the sigh I can hear from Doug. That's enough. That's enough for me. Like a vampire, you sustain me. <laughs> and then, uh, sort of in a reference to to the to our uh, Kinski episode, uh, uh, Eric actually commented, "Imagine there being a sport, and that sport is baby stabbing." Quoted to Noah. Uh, <laughs> the metaphor stands. <laughs> I'm trying to find what movie he reckoned. Oh, here it is. Uh, Eric said, Brian, if you like time travel stuff, you should check out a movie called Volition. And I said, you're not the boss of me. And he says, fine, I'll stop recommending movies you probably like, you foot-licking monster. <laughs> and then Doug says, I wonder why we don't get more feedback. <laughs> so, yeah. There you go. You can find all these hilarious things on our Facebook if you, if you care to join. Um, as, a, right. as a random follow-up, Eric commented on my Instagram post showing that I was watching Ghost Dog, and he just wrote Ghost Dog. So. <laughs> and, and Tracy is apparently surprised to find out that it's a real film. So that's where we're at. There you go. Yeah. We're just randomly going through the stuff now. Might as well do a feedback section once in a while. <laughs> well, I looked for iTunes reviews either earlier, just to see if we had something else we could follow up with. We haven't got an iTunes review in like a year and a half, but we're still sitting at five stars. So really, yeah. Well, then don't encourage anyone to give us more because <laughs> <laughs> it's just down from there. Uh, all right, did uh, Noah? What did you watch since last week? Uh, only a couple things. So I finished the stand. Yeah. Uh, is it done? Done? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't even know it was over yet. Yeah. Uh, and well, I'm assuming it's over. I don't know. <laughs> I would have to, but I, I don't know that the the ending. I've always thought the ending in the book is is problematic for a film. Well, which because ending? It's abrupt and uh, basically the part where they're. You know they're they're sent on their mission to go to Vegas, yeah, and uh, horrible things happen to everybody. Sure, it, and then God steps in. Okay, after after all the bad stuff happens, yeah, which gotcha is fucking once again it's weird. It's a weird dumb thing that doesn't make a whole lot of sense <laughs> <laughs> because. The the stand. If you really break it down, God's a piece of shit in that book. Yeah, he, he, he forces everybody to jump through a bunch of hoops, and then like steps in at the end and is like, "Oh, by the way, I'm just going to resolve this, and everything you did like didn't actually help that resolution at all." <laughs> oh, so it's the Christian God then? Ye- yeah, I, I, and maybe Stephen King did that on purpose, but I don't know. Or maybe it's just accurate to what. But I, so I will say this: after those those first few episodes that I was not very happy with, 
it did get a little bit better because I really liked the actor who did uh, Tom Cullen and, you know, all that stuff yeah. uh, was was really good. Once uh, Harold and Nadine kind of make their turn and start their shenanigans, that all was pretty good. Trash Can Man was a. I, I'm not sure if I'm in favor of their version of Trash Can Man. <laughs> okay. Is there is there a big difference or? Uh, yeah, it's Trash Can Man to the extreme. Okay. So, their version of Trash Can Man is basically in dirty tidy whities and a body harness, like it's Zardoz. Oh. Yeah. Uh, and he's played by, I'm pretty sure it's, uh... So the guy's playing Flash and all the DC yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 it's the Not My Flash guy. Yeah. And while they were a little bit more sensitive with the Tom Cullen character, although he does still do his trademark MOO and stuff, okay. <laughs> they did do a better job of, like, he's, I don't know, they just, they treat him more respectfully, I think. Trash Can Man, they do not. <laughs> he's just this babbling, screaming fucking weirdo I, I don't know because in the book he's he's crazy you know what i mean but he's yeah. not like he can talk you know what i mean and in this it, it's mostly him going yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my life for you ah! yeah yeah so it's that but yeah so it i don't know it had a weak start and a weak finish in the middle was all right, so and, uh, it might be worth a watch if you're a Stephen King fan, but I can't imagine it was all that interesting to people who aren't. Yeah, I'm probably going to skip it. Yeah. Uh, and so I finished that, and then we started watching uh, Mr. Mercedes. Oh, yeah. And so far, that's pretty good. Yeah, I really enjoy that that show. I'm a, little I'm a little confused though, because according to the thing, there's more than one season? There's three seasons. Right. So is is it still Mr. Mercedes? There, there was three books. Um, the first book is the first season. The second, the second book is actually the third season. And then the third book is actually the second season. They mixed it up for some reason. I, I was going to say, but the Mercedes killer is the first book, right? Yeah. I mean, it's got nothing to do with that guy. Well, I, I don't, I don't want to spoil stuff for you. So. I don't know. Cause I was thinking, cause the second book's the one that's about the kid that finds the, uh, briefcase full of notebooks, right? Correct. Which they do for the third season. Right. And then I don't think maybe I didn't read the third book. Mm. You must not have because it's all about the Mercedes killer again. No. Okay, then. Yeah, they basically just moved the middle part to the end so they could have one continuous story with Brady and then move on to something else. 
You know, Char, Char doesn't like gruesome bits, and she's stressing out every 10 seconds. She's like, he's not going to kill the dog, is he? He's not going to kill the dog, is he? And I'm like, well, he tries. Probably. <laughs> it's like, I personally uh, think that the outcome of that is a little worse than the dog dying, but, you know. So then the weird thing becomes, because then uh, during the third season is when The Outsider aired on HBO. And the Holly Gibney character is in The Outsider played by somebody somebody else and somebody from a completely different uh, race. That's doubly weird. Yeah. So it's just because I really like the Holly from the Mr. Mercedes series. Um, so it was weird seeing someone else do their interpretation of her. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but it's so far it's it's pretty good. The last the last episode we just finished was really fucking good, where it's uh, the Mercedes killers talking to the detective over the computer, and basically <laughs> uh, he calls him out. He's like, uh, "Who'd you lose your virginity to, huh?" It's somebody in your family, right? It's your mom? Is that it? <laughs> the killer starts getting all pissed off, and he's like, see, I called it. Y'all think that you're special, but you're all the same. <laughs> he just gets, and you can just hear it. He's getting so fucking mad. <laughs> yeah, I really like that show. I don't think they're doing a fourth season, unfortunately. Yeah, they're doing it. I was a little worried going into it, because I was talking to Sharon, and I was like, Stephen King, especially Stephen King in his later years, he's gotten worse about it. He does not do traditional story structure. He just doesn't like his, you know, he's got that meandering tangential style of writing that I, I just more and more feel like it doesn't translate to film. Like just doesn't because it doesn't. I don't know how you keep the story beats going whenever he's going off on these tangents that have nothing to fucking do with the story. Did you uh, did you read The Outsider? I did not. You should read it. Uh, I loved it. Uh, it felt like old Stephen King novels. And I rec- recommended it to uh, my friend Tony, Tony Wash. Cause he was looking because he works overnights and he was looking for something to read and he's kind of fallen out of Stephen King. And I'm like, you should read the outsider. It's a lot like older King. And he told me, he's like, yeah, I started reading it and I literally could not put it down. Is there a monster? There is a monster. Yay. So that would be my recommendation. I was going to say that makes me really happy. I'm, I'm, I'm I don't know. I, I feel like his books that lack a monster mm-hmm. just don't have the same punch. You know what I mean? Like under the dome sure. and stuff. Don't get me wrong; it's a cool story, but it just doesn't it doesn't play right for me. I need I need a monster. Yeah, and like I said, uh, Holly Gibney comes back like about halfway through it. So if you enjoyed her characters in the book, then you will uh, enjoy <laughs> seeing her. So, it's so random. He loves those reoccurring characters, doesn't he? Yeah, I think it's just one of those that he wrote. He, he planned those Mr. Mercedes books as a trilogy, then wrote it, and I think just fell in love with the Holly character. And so he brought her back for The Outsider, and then the last book he put out was kind of a collection of novellas, sort of like different seasons, but 
you know, the, not short, not short stories, but a little longer. And one of them has Holly in it too. So yeah, I was gonna say I don't know if you're an audiobook person, but the audiobook version of the the Mr. Mercedes books, uh, I I don't know if it's that guy's decision of reading her, but he makes her sound severely handicapped. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I like audiobooks, but usually only when I'm like working, like have a job yeah. to go to. When I'm just sitting around the house, I just I get distracted by doing something else. But well, yeah, I think it's supposed to be she's supposed to be like mildly autistic. Yeah. And the way that guy reads her is like like she talks like this, like she is a robot person. Yeah. Like she is really weird. And it's like I don't think that that's the way that character's written. You need to, t- no. you need to tone it down, guy. Yeah, yeah. No, let's like I said, I love the actress who plays her on the Mr. Mercedes show. I think she does a really good job. And the girl on the Outsider does a good job too. But it's just such a different portrayal that I don't know. Uh, and that's it. That's all I've watched. I didn't, yeah. I didn't watch a whole lot of stuff this week. What about you, Doug? I don't have a lot either. I checked out uh, Slaughterhouse Rules from 2018, yeah. which yeah. It, it meets the criteria for me enjoying a movie, which is that Simon Pegg and Nick Frost have one scene in it together. <laughs> Ad- admittedly, when I checked it out, I was hoping for a little bit more than the one scene. Uh, you guys know what it is? I know, yeah, I know what the thing is, but I haven't watched it. Yeah, I mean, it's, so, for people who haven't seen it or don't know, it's basically just a, uh, it's a British comedy about a school that's built on some ancient thing, and you get your typical group of school kids have to fight the monsters type thing. Um, This time it's because fracking is uh, to blame for calling the monsters out from the depths, which is... (laughs) Just, okay. you know, whatever. Topical. Topical, yeah. I think more, not necessarily the way it's played. I don't know that it's meant to be any kind of, like, commentary. It's just sort of like, well, that's yeah. in the news these days, and it involves going underground, so that can be the thing that opens up the whole world the monsters yeah. come out of. Um, yeah, it's it's all right. It's uh, It's got that dry British humor to it where you never quite laugh out loud, but you're always kind of just chuckling along. And uh, then the last, say, half hour is just over-the-top gore and blood and everybody getting ripped apart, and that's always fun for me. And it's like, it's super gory stuff when it finally happens, you know? Guys getting their arms bitten off by demons, and at one point they have, like, Simon Pegg plays one of the teachers at the school, and so you've got him, like, he's laying on the ground and he's managed to kill one of these beasts, and then a bunch of the students are just beating on the dead body of the beast while it's laying on top of him so it's getting all mushed and all the gunk is just coming down on top of his his face and you know he's reacting the way he will yeah of course and you know it's pretty funny um you're really but you're really watching it for that last half hour if you're looking for big laughs um leading up to it it is pretty pretty standard you know it's the 
the main character is a kid that doesn't really belong at this exclusive school, but he gets there and he immediately starts to like one of the girls that's, you know, very popular and the other guys don't like that. And then blah, 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 blah. That's all. It's all done all right. But it's uh, it's really that last ending where you're just like, yep, there you go. Let's just let's go full, full Evil Dead 2 with it at the end there. That'll be fun. Yeah. So I don't know how much more I have to say about it other than that. Um, yeah. Like yeah. I say, there's... Nick Frost plays, like, the this guy that's protesting the fracking in the woods, and it turns out, in a shocking twist that no one will ever see coming, that those guys aren't actually there to protest the fracking. It's that they want to be prepared to fight off the monsters because they know they're coming. So... You'll never see that coming if you see the movie. I oh. just spoiled it totally for you. No, it's so fucking obvious. But you know, Weird it's a comedy right. movie, so it's it's a comedy film. It's supposed to be obvious like that. I don't think it's I don't think it matters. Like I don't think at any point in time in this movie you're supposed to be shocked by what comes next. Um, yeah. That's yeah, that's kind of the only the real thing I watched. I did have a, an interesting experience. I. uh... I wasn't feeling very well the other day, so I'm like, I'm just going to lay down and just throw on whatever the first thing Netflix recommends to me. I'm just going to hit play. And for whatever fucking reason, the first thing Netflix recommended to me was Waterworld. <laughs> so I'm watching Waterworld while I'm like half awake and half asleep. And I just kept thinking, if this movie was made on a $1 million budget, it would definitely be worth discussing on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but for some reason, somebody took like the script from one of the like late '80s, early '90s Italian post-apocalyptic movies that we talk about, and just put like a fifty million dollar budget on it and hired real actors and shit. And I'm like, who the hell thought that was a good idea? <laughs> I know I'm not really breaking new ground by pointing out that Waterworld was a bad idea, but what the fuck happened? How did that movie get made? <laughs> like it's, uh, it's just yeah. so fascinating. I haven't seen that in forever. It's, you know, I mean, it, it's it's exactly what you remember. Right? There's nothing, you know, there's mediocre action scenes and there's a, a ridiculous plot about how somehow people live on the ocean now because the poles melted. Everybody's searching for dry land, but this girl has a map of, to it on her back for whatever reason. And again, like all this shit that would be totally normal in one of the movies we talked about. But for some reason, it's, you know, got uh, Kevin Costner in it so I get, maybe that's why maybe he's a huge fan of like the Bronx 1990 or whatever the fuck that movie was talked with that time and he wanted to make his own version it's like look Kevin Costner no you put Tom Atkins in that role now you're talking sure now you're talking about a totally different movie a movie I can get behind it's yeah fascinating to just sit there and watch it and just be like, I can't believe they made this. I don't even understand how that happened. <laughs> and it's just, you know, like, and you can see the budget. It's not like it's, it's not one of those ones where you can't figure out where they spent the money. It's like, it's huge sets and over the top action. And you're just like, but then it's movie opens with a scene of him drinking his own pee. Which, like, watching it now, like, I always thought it was gross that he drank his own pee, but how dumb is it that this movie is based on the premise that he's got a little machine that's not that he can, like, turn a crank and it sanitizes his pee, but he doesn't have a little machine where he can scoop up some uh, 
ocean water and just run it through a filter and get the salt out of there and drink that. Ooh. Like that's too good. Like, De- desalination is much more difficult than sterilizing your pee to make it drinkable. Well, your I'm pee not is mostly sterile anyway. Uh, I'm not convinced that you can sustain yourself by drinking your own pee. I think it would be for for several days. Okay, well, in this world, he lives off of it. So <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying that's a real survival thing. Like, all right, well, you can just drink your own pee for a while. Sure. If you can simply find a way to boil the ocean water and then recapture the mist, the you can separate the salt and the water, and it'll probably taste a lot better. I would. And if you're going to sustain yourself forever, you're going to want to find a way to do that. Right. But you would need like a full blown still to do that. It's desalination. Desalination is a, a difficult thing to do. All right. But so is. All right. Let's not argue your, over who could survive other pee. <laughs> Listen, we can all bicker and argue about when and where I've drunk my own urine. No, but we can't. I have it all written down in this book right here. That's that's fine. That's why you're not allowed in the same room as me anymore. (laughs) Ghost dog. I I was gonna say this. The sad truth is, I I agree with pretty much everything Doug has said about Waterworld. But goddamn it, I love fucking Waterworld. I love that movie. I'm not surprised to hear that you would love it at all because it's the fucking batshit insane that you make us watch. It's just done huge. It's somebody cranked one of the movies that that we have to, like, steal off of YouTube up to 11. (laughs) It's not stealing off YouTube. It's it's YouTube's problem for not regulating better. All right. Well, if these movies were even made in countries that have copyright laws, for all we know. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get back to some of that next week, probably. I don't know. I th- I think the reason why I like Waterworld so much is because to me it feels like a Mad Max movie just on water yeah. instead yeah. of in a desert. That's right. And then you got to factor in that Dennis Hopper plays the head of the bad guys, and Dennis Hopper is an insane person. So right. there you go. Right. I just find it interesting that they're like, ah, oh, we have no natural resources. Ah, oh, we have no food. But you know what we've got. Jet skis. Jet skis. <laughs> Dude, they have, they have jet skis and they have bullets, and for some reason they pick up the bullet casings, which means they must have the ability to make new bullets out of them. But that yeah. doesn't make any sense. I was going to say, because oh. you'd need gunpowder. You'd need, like, where, and like a lot of you, it. Like, where would you get the gunpowder? I don't know. Make the, it, whole, uh... like, the, whole, the whole premise of the movie is that, like, none of these people remember what the world was like but it's like that's not how like how could that happen like if if the if the poles melted causing this giant flood and it happened fast enough that nobody like remembers what cities were then how the fuck do they have all these boats and shit it would all have been destroyed it's not it's all illogical which is fine i guess also also agreed but my my problem with that one is Man, I love fucking Mad Max movies. And Mad Max movies make the exact same dumb leap that somehow it goes from his family being killed by a gang 
to like three movies later, <laughs> this Thunderdome and Tina, 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 Turton's, Tina Turner's forcing mentally handicapped people to, to fight in a in a dome. I feel as though you have to watch the Mad Max movies as like standalone movies. I don't feel like it really makes sense if you try to watch them as like a series. <laughs> I've heard the theory before that like they're all just individual stories that take place in this weird post-apocalyptic world and that the character isn't like a real guy. He's just this sort of mythical character. So that's why all the stories can feel like they're set in different worlds. And... Right, right. He's like a Gilgamesh-esque character. Yeah. And I like to go with that because mostly just because I like Mad Max movies and I don't want to badmouth them. So, because otherwise we'd have to point out that they make no sense. <laughs> don't you, don't you dare. Hey man. When's, when's, when's Mad Max month coming? God damn it. You know how hard it is going to be to find movies to team up with all those? Uh, not, not at all. Okay. Italian, Italian post-apocalyptic movies. Easy. Get a oh, little Fred Williams just, in life. You're just going to mix Italian post-apocalyptic in with Australian post-apocalyptic like that and act like I'm going to let that go? Uh, yeah. I, have very, I have very strong feelings about this. <laughs> Perhaps a debate to be had off mic so that our listeners don't have to listen to our bullshit anymore. Uh, start working on Aussie Italy post-apocalyptic months. <laughs> soon as we get off of here uh, i already oh. finished up hercules month <laughs> jesus uh did you watch anything else doug yeah? um well on the exact opposite end of the spectrum i did rewatch one other movie which was uh a history of violence because i heard the rumors that cronenberg and vigo might be getting back together oh, yeah. so i'm like i've got to revisit a history of violence now that it's in my head and like that's a near perfect movie that's just amazing in every level. I'm assuming everyone has seen it and likes it. Yeah. Yeah, I just bought it on digital a couple of weeks ago because it was on like a $5 sale and I'm like, I need to rewatch that. The the violent rapey stairway sex scene mm-hmm. is is pretty awful. <laughs> it's hard to watch, but it's supposed to be, man. And, and you know, and it's it's Cronenberg doing his thing where earlier in the movie they had that sweet, playful sex scene. And then now, because Joey Cusack has come back out, now he's violent and mean-spirited in his sexual exploits. But, I mean, it in the context of the movie, it works. Um, yeah. Again, hard to watch, but it's supposed to be. It's not, not meant to be a pleasant scene. Yeah. My friend that I'm showing movies to... Uh, he doesn't know a whole lot of Cronenberg stuff, so I'm trying to you know, fix that. Uh, ease him in uh, with uh, video drum. No, no, that's not right. <laughs> yeah, you just said that sentence you wrong. Eased... Sentence <laughs> you by that do you mean you eased your hand into his uh, VCR chest vagina? Uh, yeah, I think that's what he was saying. It's accurate. Yeah. Uh, so then I showed him the trailer for a history of violence and he thought that looked pretty rad. So we probably watch that sometime. And it's a, sometime and it's a comic book movie. It's all sorts of, sure it's all is. sorts of genres. Yeah. <clears throat> Man, now I want to go watch history of violence. Anything else, Doug? 
that's it. Unfortunately, I did not watch anything else. I watched a shit ton of the show comic book, man. I don't know how I could possibly talk about that intelligently, so. Uh, did you know, uh, oh, if you if you do their, uh, you tell them Steve Dave Patreon for their podcast. Yeah. They do, uh, they're doing a, sh- a monthly show called Tales from Behind the Counter, where they're getting the showrunner, and then they all sit around and talk about each individual episode and talk about all the stuff that went on behind the scenes. So if you're really into comic book men right now, yeah, you can bump that up. Nah. That's right. fine. It's, it's, again, that falls into the category of there's enough free content out there that I don't need to pay for podcast stuff. <laughs> I contribute to the podcasting world by providing content. Like this jam we've put together here tonight. So. <laughs> All right. I watched three movies. Uh, I watched one called The Killing Hour, a.k.a. The Clairvoyant. Um, so somebody is killing uh, killing women in uh, dirty 1980s New York. So already I'm, I'm intrigued. Uh, apparently this artist lady is painting uh the crime scenes or drawing the crime scenes before the killings happen because she's having some weird psychic thing going on um and uh the killer finds out and soon starts coming after her who else was in this i feel like there was somebody in it but it's been like pretty much i think i watched it like right after we recorded last time so um, it's okay. Like I said, it's, it's mainly just, hey, dirty eighties, New York people killing people. That's kind which of is definitely what I was in the mood for. Uh, yeah, he's, he's known as the handcuff killer cause he handcuffs his victims and then disposes of them some way, like throws one in the river and. Uh, one of the very early deaths is kind of fucked up because this guy is swimming like in the gym swimming pool and like nobody else is there, like the club's closed or whatever. And somebody swims underneath of him and handcuffs his foot to the ladder and it makes it so he's just just below the surface of the water. So he can't get up to breathe and he drowns. But it's just kind of one of those fucked up like, ah, oh, fuck, like He's literally like right there. He could just, if he could just get his head up a little bit, but it's pretty cool. Yeah, I like that. Um, so yeah, uh, it's enjoyable. I think it was on Tubi, maybe, or Amazon Prime, one of the two. Uh, yeah, it says it's on Tubi and Amazon. So yeah, if anybody's interested, Killing Hour, it's all right. You get exactly what you think you're gonna get. Sometimes that's all that matters. Exactly. I mean, that's exactly what I was looking for. I was just scrolling through, like, 1982, New York. Done. Uh, let's see. I watched uh, The Little Things, the new uh, the new movie on HBO Max that apparently was supposed to be a theatrical release. It's uh, Denzel Washington as, like, this small-town cop, and he's sent down to L.A. to pick up some evidence for some case they're working on. Turns out he used to be a cop in the big city, a detective. Something happened, which made him 
leave town. But of course, now that he's back, all the other cops that he used to work with are not happy that he's there. And he starts getting involved with uh, a series of murders where somebody is killing people and then putting bags over their heads and just a very distinguishable like crime scene that you could definitely be like, yeah, this is the same person. Uh, and the lead detective on that is uh, Rami Malek of uh, what the Queen movie. Yeah. What the fuck was the title of that? I don't know. Uh, Mr. Robot. And he starts picking uh, Denzel Washington's brain about it, which, you know, kind of gets Denzel Washington more involved with it. Um, they come up with a suspect, played by Jared Leto. And damn, Jared Leto's... He's creepy when he's not trying to be, but when he's trying to be, he's fucking terrifying. So... He is just this creepy motherfucker who they can't quite pin stuff down and they're trying to figure it out and, you know, things go from there. Um, I enjoyed it. I've seen people sort of comparing this to, like, Seven and I don't know if it goes, like, that far, but it is very much an old cop, young cop trying to decipher these murders and a bunch of weird shit happens and... You know, so if you're a fan of that kind of stuff, then I would definitely recommend it. Uh, is it really interesting, actually? Might, might watch that one. See if I yeah. can find a way to. Yeah, it's on HBO Max right now. But yeah, oh, yeah, I'm getting yeah. HBO Max. So. No, I know. I just I know up in Canada, sometimes they put stuff up on Crave or whatever it is up there. Yeah, not paying for yeah. Crave either. So, right. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah. So it's just got kind of a cool look to it and you know it's it's yeah. pretty well done. I enjoyed it. Uh and then the last thing I watched was uh the movie Unhinged with Russell Crowe, which I yep. believe Doug, you've talked about this before. Yeah. Uh talk about getting exactly what you think you're gonna get. Like I basically just wanted like a, a an updated exploitation movie of this road rager going after this woman <laughs> and uh there you go it's exactly what i got yep <laughs> yeah so this this lady is kind of uh short with this guy the stoplight he's just sitting there he's not turning she starts like laying on the horn drives around him kind of yells at him like what are you thinking and then you know goes around him and he's not having that yeah, I guess you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> yeah. So he starts following her for the entire rest of the day and making her life a living hell. And even at some point, he's just like, yeah, well, fuck it. Starts murdering people. <laughs> yeah. So it. Uh, but he was already having of... a bad day before she yelled at him. So it's not really oh, his yeah. fault. No, no, definitely not his fault. Um. <laughs> We were watching this, and we were watching like Amanda was watching it, and multiple times she just yells, "Oh my god!" and like puts her hand up to her face. <laughs> it's it's about right. Yeah. yeah, and she likes horror movies and stuff, so she's she's just like this movie is intense, which I would agree with. Yeah, no, I told you I really liked it. I was very yeah. impressed with it. So, no, I was very happy with it. So. 
Um, Noah, I would not recommend Char watch this. <laughs> yeah, it sounds about right. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, intense is a good word for it. He uh, Russell Crowe, I think I don't think was acting. I think he just was being Russell Crowe in this movie. It just worked out. Yeah, well, sometimes you you know it's that meeting of uh, an actor and a role. That's just perfect. <laughs> we were watching it though, and Amanda's like, "Has he really gained that much weight?" And I'm like, "I think so." And then I looked yeah. it up, and I found out he was wearing—he is wearing padding under his clothes. But oh, is he really? Yeah, because like, uh, it's not that much padding. Because I've looked be. up pictures of him when I watched it, and I'm like, "There's—he's gained a lot of weight." Yeah, yeah, that's like, not not to be judgmental, just. Yeah, like he definitely has. Trust me, I'm not one to talk. I'm probably still bigger than he is, but um, I was like, I think so. I think he's just gotten bigger. And I was reading the trivia, and it said he didn't want to gain as much weight as would be required for the role, I guess, and he wore a fat suit. I don't understand why it would be required, but... No, I don't... Yeah, like in my head, I just think, why wouldn't you just have him be a little smaller? Yeah. I don't think it mattered, but... No, so uh, definitely recommend. Big fan of Unhinged, so be worth checking out. Yeah, that one was that one was just flat out good. As long as, again, you get exactly what you sign up for. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Noah, what are we doing next week? Black Dynamite, and I'm gonna get you, sucker. Oh, fuck. I don't need an excuse to watch Black Dynamite. But Black Dynamite, I sell drugs to the community. <laughs> I have a feeling I'm not going to like the movies next week. Makes you go, ooh. <laughs> oh, Black Dynamite's fantastic, though. You don't know what you're talking about. We'll see. I was going to say, Black Dynamite's really, really good. Yes. And I think it might actually be even better because you've actually seen uh, Black Belt Jones. Yeah. Doug is not swayed. You're just like, it'll be better because of that movie, that other movie that you didn't like. And I'd be like, well, yeah. Um, all right. Does that take us to WandaVision time? Kind of a big episode last week. Yeah, I'd say that it was. Do you want to walk us through what happened? And then we'll, uh, well, I'm trying to even think. They did. They basically did a full house episode. Yeah. Um, the thing I did love is that uh, they redesigned the set to add a staircase, because every '80s sitcom had a staircase <laughs> in their yeah. house for some reason. It was, it was how they built houses in the '80s. Yeah. It was a staircase in the living room. Um, I don't even remember what happened on the little sitcom though. Did anything? What? Oh, was this the kids? They keep growing up. Yeah, the kids keep aging themselves and they have the dog. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, so yeah, the the kids are able to transform themselves into older versions of themselves. And they keep aging themselves up because they just sort of aged up to, I don't know, what were they supposed to be, like four or five, something like that? Well, they were babies and then they aged themselves up to be toddlers. Yeah. And then they found the dog, and they're like, can we keep this dog? And they, the, 
Vision and Wanda decided you probably shouldn't have a dog till you're like ten. And the kids looked at each other and smiled, and she's like, "Don't you do it!" And then they aged themselves <laughs> up to ten. <laughs> that was pretty funny. That was like maybe the best example yet of them editing like the Marvel universe together with the ridiculous sitcom trope. <laughs> like the way they were like, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I don't remember what happened outside of the sitcom. Though was there anything exciting? Well, the biggest thing was that in the sitcom they kept it was falling apart basically mm-hmm. where vision was starting to realize that things are not as they seem and he's being yeah. controlled in some way and that other character was sort of like looking for direction tips basically like yeah. asking wanda if she should like start the scene over kind of thing because something yeah. didn't go right so that was the big thing i think they were to take from that yeah well i just don't remember what happened at like the sword camp I don't remember if there was anything that moved forward there. Um, oh, they discovered. Yeah, they discovered that uh, Wanda's reorganizing matter, not so much making stuff up out of thin air. Yeah, because yeah, uh, the, the outfit basically was still made out of Kevlar, even though it was the old seventies outfit. Yeah, and and they pretty much admitted that she didn't create a new vision before she created yeah. her pocket dimension she stole his corpse yeah, yeah. that was kind of cool too busting the, the lab the corpse is great yeah. yeah um so yeah it's, this this whole thing was definitely i mean it's premeditated not that we had any at this point would wonder that but i mean it was definitely like nah i'm gonna steal the corpse of my uh, dead boyfriend and then create a whole fictional town around everything they're <laughs> They're making the the question really interesting of how much how much of this is Wanda, mm-hmm. because obviously she doesn't have control over the kids. Yeah. And while she's clearly got a lot of control over what's going on in the show, she specifically said a couple times that she doesn't know how it started. Yeah, we're. It's going to be interesting to see how they explain how this started. I suspect it's a semi-intentional thing where she's trying to find a way to bring Vish back and then just it is kind of either inadvertently creates this world or it's the side effect of a deal she makes or whatever. Yeah, I'm still thinking it's Mephisto. Possible. We'll we'll see, because it could also be Strucker, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. I mean, guessing at this point, there's different ways they could go, and I don't know that there's much point in like you can speculate all you want. We won't know until they tell us, right? Yeah. So we got to talk uh, about the ending, though. That's the that's the big part. That that is the big part. Anything else before we get to the ending? No, I mean, I I thought the stuff was really cool. Yeah. I thought the stuff with Vision, you know, when he releases that one guy from his hold and that guy's like panicking mm-hmm. but that was pretty good um you know we still have jimmy Wu trying to get in there this time he figured out how to send an email to vision at work kind of thing yeah. oh All they discovered they discovered a loophole because uh, everything that goes into it was conforming to whatever time period it's supposed to be and so they since it's set in the 80s they got a drone from the 80s and send it in and uh, Wanda found it and was not happy. She was super fucking pissed. 
<laughs> comes, well, c- comes out of the force field and basically here's your shit. Don't ever send anything back in here again. I was getting ready to say, and apparently sword is just as bad as uh, shield <laughs> in their shit. Because mm. everybody was like, no, we're just, what do you mean take the shot? Like, oh, oh, yeah, 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 we strapped a gun to it. <laughs> of course yeah, we that's did. Right. That's right. Yeah, didn't tell anybody, or at least nobody that we follow, so it was a big surprise. And then, yeah, they were all like, okay, shoot her! And she's like, yeah, fuck that, and just, like, had everybody turn their their little uh, laser pointers on uh, the captain or whatever. Yeah. Well, that's part of the... You were asking what was going on with the sword people. That's what we didn't yeah. mention, is that there was the kind of the divide is forming on the outside between the people mm-hmm. who want to help Wanda and the people who just see her as a villain. Um, yeah. And they, they, they almost came to the point of saying, well, she doesn't have a cool costume and she doesn't have a, a cool nickname. So I guess she's a villain, not a hero. <laughs> 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 if she was captain Wanda, then yeah. she'd just be a hero. It almost gets to that point of, and it, it's an interesting thing to say in the MCU because yeah, there is kind of a whole thing there where it's like, these are the heroes and these are the villains and the heroes have caused a lot of this trouble <laughs> or one of the heroes specifically. They don't need yeah. to mention his names. He's not going to cause any more trouble going forward, <laughs> but uh, you know, yeah. there is that argument to be had of like, what if she's doing this? So what if she helped in a previous battle? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Uh, and that takes us to the ending, where knock on the door, they open it up. It's Pietro, but it's the Pietro from the Fox X Men universe, and not the one we've seen in Avengers. Yeah, no big deal. That Move on from there. So I was excited. That Cat Dennis line was the best fucking thing they've done in the entire show. <laughs> they recast Pietro. Yeah, they recast Pietro. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you clever motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think they had to kind of do that, too. Like, it's They know a certain part of the audience is going to not figure out what's going on and not realize who that is. And so they found a way to tell us, but doing it in a very entertaining way. Yeah. Yeah, so. I brought up before that there was a possibility both both Quicksilvers could be on this show. And this would be the perfect show to do it, just because it's weird enough that you could just be like, yeah, everything's weird with this show. And you're kind of like, yeah, okay. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how they explain that, whether they, whether she pulled him in from another universe or what. Mm-hmm. Well, I think there's there's some insinuation in that scene that she didn't do that. Well, no. Qu- it's hard to tell, did she not do it or did she not do it intentionally? And that's, I think, where the, the question in my mind is, like, the stuff that she's not controlling, is it because she's gradually losing her hold on this mini-universe, or is it because something else is making things happen? And I'm, I don't know the answer to that yet. No. I don't, like, I don't know. That, I, I, I think one of the big things is, I still think Agatha is, is one of the bad guys. Yeah, it's a distinct possibility. Yeah, and I think the whole thing where she keeps acting nervous and you know, oh, am I supposed to do it again? Am I supposed to play it? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, the fact that she's cognizant at all times while everyone else seems to like 
be locked into it or slips out of it infrequently. She seems to be constantly aware of of everything, you know what I mean? Which is interesting. I think maybe she's playing a victim. She might be. Or again, that could be, it could be that maybe she's figured out something's going on, but also doesn't know how to get out of the situation. And she could be a legitimate, almost like a worse victim than everybody else because she's being forced to go along with this, um, but knowingly go along with it. Yeah. I think think we have to wait and see. It's going to be interesting. For sure. They've certainly, they've certainly set up a lot of questions and if they start answering them, it could change everything. Like it, Mm. because if you've got characters jumping back and forth from, different movie universes that's that could be really fascinating yeah uh oh yeah that, that's something we skipped over there is a slight insinuation that maybe uh rambo is is getting some of her powers or whatnot was there yeah because they did that scan of her to make sure like she didn't have anything broken oh and yeah, yeah, yeah. It showed it it was all like blanked out yeah. yeah, so it's hard to know what that means yet, but it means something, I'm sure. I'm sure it means she's radiating energy or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's a good episode. Yeah, that, I mean that ending was pretty intense when that hit. I was just like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. Not just I, I, I get that the Pietro thing was really cool for everybody. I thought the biggest one, the fight that her and Vision have in the kitchen. Oh, no. Yeah, that was great. My God, where he says, you can't control me like everyone else. And and she goes, oh, can I? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It starts well, that, the moment credits. Too, where they, that moment where they almost came to blows, too, where they, like, kind of flew up at each other. <laughs> I was yeah. like, oh, shit. Are they just going to start, like... I don't know what the rules are with the domestic violence if you're both superheroes. Huh? <laughs> yeah, when they're arguing and she starts the credits and then he doesn't stop the argument, so they're forced to stop him. Like, I thought that was great. <laughs> I like the fact that apparently at some point in Vision's short, short time of being alive, <laughs> he created a living will that he didn't want to be resuscitated if he was killed. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I well, that. well, my That's guess just is just one of those ones you got to go with. My guess is because he sided with Iron Man, right, in Civil War, right. So I, I'm assuming he would then have to register for the Sokovia Accords, like they had brought up. Yeah. And maybe that's part of it. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't see why that doesn't all make sense. Yeah. It's all fine. Or maybe that's just sword pouring a little more gasoline on everything because <laughs> they're going out of their way to be like Wanda is evil oh for sure yeah I mean they're like that I, I think that conflict is going to be interesting if they take the time to have the discussion and not just turn it into a fist fight of like well how do you determine whether she needs to be helped or needs to be stopped because she kind of qualifies as both right now so I have a question I have a, I have a theory that I want to throw out that I just came up with while we're sitting here talking. Do you think they are setting up Wanda to be like a big bad for the Marvel Universe for at least the next couple years? I think it's entirely plausible. Because I know she's in, she's going to be in the Doctor Strange movie and apparently she's going to be in the next Spider-Man movie too. And I just don't know if they're sort of doing with her like they did with Thanos, where they just sort of peppered him in through a bunch of stuff. 
and then sort of led up to something. Like that, that I, could be it if it's if they're leading to some storyline where she's the bad guy and these are all baby steps on her turning bad. Just kind of like a dark phoenix sort of scenario. Yeah, I, I mean, see why it couldn't be that that or they're setting her up to uh, not exactly fridger but uh, take her out of commission for a little while. Mm-hmm. Just be, just because the, the problem with Wanda, especially Wanda with her real powers, is that she's going to be so powerful it's going to cause problems. Yeah. Which means we need a reason for her not to be involved in every conflict, solving every problem. Well, that could be it, too. They could be setting her up to go into some sort of superhero rehab just to keep her out of the way for a little while. Right. Yeah. That, that makes as much sense as anything. Again, like we're since we're speculating, I concede the arguments in favor of like all of this stuff. No. This could this could all just be part of some meta TV show that they're actually in, and they're not actually in the <laughs> they're not actually in these sitcoms. They're in a different meta show about Sword. So, yeah. and Mojo pops up. Oh yeah, so. Mojo. This has been Mojo, Mojo would be great. the entire time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I threw that over the chat last week. I'm like, what a fucking Mojo. It was Mojo the whole time. Ooh. What <laughs> actor would it fucking be Mojo, though? Um, uh, Wayne, Wayne Knight? It's a duos, man. Every other podcast in the world is like, who should play Wolverine when they bring him in? MCU and we're like, what about Mojo? Do you think Wayne Knight should play Mojo? <laughs> the guy the guy who was Newman on Seinfeld. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Strap him in some uh super super like fat suit with like weird robotic spider legs. I don't know. Do you got somebody better? I have no idea. You're just gonna want to CGI that Mojo person. I, yeah. I don't know. I just have in my mind like a high pitched voice. Could they get uh was it John Cassier, the, the Crypt Keeper? Just to do the voice and, yeah, CGI him? <laughs> oh, no, what's, what's his face? God damn it. Uh, he's a he's mostly a show creator and a voice actor. Uh, God damn it. Justin Roiland, is that his name? Oh, yeah. Just Rick and Morty? Yeah, because he does all those high-pitched voices. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, Rick. <laughs> Welcome to the Mojo verse. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm down. Uh, do you want to talk about it? Did anybody watch the uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier trailer? I did. Yeah, I only kind of sort of. Were you watching, were you watching the Super Bowl? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. Um,. I don't know. I'm excited. It comes out next month, which makes you even yeah. more excited. That's why I didn't go back and rewatch the trailer a bunch of times. I'm like, it's close enough. Which is, it, 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 and once again, this is what fucking Disney Plus should have been from the beginning, where we get like a show, and then as one show wraps up, there's another well, show. That's yeah. always been the plan. It's just taken them a little bit to get things in motion. Yeah, because yeah, then my guess is going to be after that, it's Loki. We'll go right after. Falcon Winter Soldier, and I think the Hawkeye series, probably after that. Yeah, we'll see. There might have to be some breaks in here. They've had, you know, issues with filming due to the stupid pandemic thing. 
Yeah. Don't know. It's been good, though. I'm excited. I need all the shows. I know, considering they're still pushing off Black Widow for a theatrical release. Oh, oh, that's the other thing I wanted to say about this episode. This episode was ten minutes longer, and that's so much fucking better. (laughs) (laughs) That's not even a huge difference, but that extra ten minutes makes it feel like the show's not over the second the credits are done. I didn't even feel like it was that much longer. No. Yeah. It was like yeah. 30. The episode runtime was like 37 minutes or something. What? Well, now it's 40 something. You sure? Absolutely. Because I checked we'll it. Check at the, I well. checked it at the 22 minute mark and there were still 20 minutes left. Um, you know, anything else? Right, can I ask you guys an important question? Sure can. What the. What's the best way to show my kid a cartoon or something with vision in it? Because he wants to watch something with vision in it. So I'm like, you can try WandaVision, but it's Avengers, it's not, not for a four-year-old. Yeah, one of the Avengers cartoons. I, I was going to say Avengers Earth Mighty Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Okay, is is absolutely the best Avengers cartoon that's ever been made. I really enjoyed it. Do you there's, remember, only, uh, there's only like two seasons of it, and it's fucking yeah. fantastic. Did you watch uh, the X-Men cartoon when it was on back in the day, Doug? Long enough ago, yeah. It kind of reminds me of that where there's like an overarching story, but then they just do like, you know, smaller stories that kind of lead up to it. Right. And it's not, it's not like, uh, it's not for kids, but it's not not for kids. Does that that make sense? They don't, it doesn't feel like they targeted a demographic. It feels like they just tried to make a good show but but i think lando could watch it and enjoy it yeah all right maybe i'll give that one a shot or maybe he'll change his mind and not want to watch that anymore (laughs) i I don't think vision's in it right away though so it would be some lead up time i'll just jeff search for a vision episode yeah yeah, it's not big. They, I'm having to sit through every every episode to get to the ones he wants. The, anyway, the run the run on Ultron's actually really good because they do the whole uh, Hank Hank Pym kind of losing it oh, really? thing. Yeah, this kid likes Ultron too. So maybe if we get into this, I can stop right. watching the same episodes of Spider Man over and over again. That'd be nice. There you go. Oh, one thing a WandaVision we forgot to talk about. Family Ties opening. <laughs> it's pretty good, wasn't it? Uh, they started with the painting, and I'm like, holy shit, they're Family Ties in it. It's so good. The The whole thing about showing the vision as a toddler growing up, that, just, yeah. that you're just going, it doesn't make any sense. It's a, it's a robot. <laughs> Yeah, people on people online were freaking out. They're posting pictures like this is the most terrifying thing ever. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoy the opening credit stuff, and then like the obvious full house references with them like in the little picnic area and shit. You're just like, that's awesome. Good for them. Yeah. Even the theme song, it was like, I, I did Alan Thick write this? Is this the last thing he did before he passed away? <laughs> You're going to need this someday, and they just added it in a vault somewhere. Yeah. Well, I think it's like 17 more minutes. The new episode drops. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you 
no idea how hard I have to try not to, not to watch it at night. Cause I'm like, I can't. I shouldn't be watching it, you know, one in the morning because it'll never hold it. <laughs> the the worst thing is it's one of the few things that I watch that Char's actually interested in and, and likes watching. Oh, no. So so I do my best to wait for her to get home because I don't. I'm I legit. I'm like I could just watch it on my lunch break. She yeah. would never so, know. So <laughs> so truth time. Have you ever watched an episode and then pretended you didn't watch it when she got home? No, never. Oh, liar. Well, it's no. only five weeks in. It's not like there's the 22 episodes of this every year. So. <laughs> it's of, of all the things I am, lying to people legit makes me ill. Like, I just can't. I don't. I can't stand lying to somebody. Even something small and dumb like that, it's still like gnaws away at me. She would, she would, she would come too. home and I would be in tears, be like, "I watched that. I watched that show." <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I tried. Like, I don't give a shit. And I'd be like, "I know, but it hurts." I tried to. Uh, I was gonna do that with an episode of The Mandalorian because Amanda likes to watch it, and we couldn't watch it. Like, we, there was something, like, we had something planned that night, so we weren't going to be able to sit down and watch it after she got off work. And I'm just, like, during the day, I was like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to watch it. And then, because it was, like, the season finale. So, I mean, do you know how hard it would have been not to have been spoiled by what yeah. happens in the season finale? That's on her for having plans the night of the season finale. So we were supposed to go out to dinner with some friends of ours or, or go over to their house for dinner. I don't imagine we were going out for dinner. I don't know what the situation was. But so after I get done watching it, I was like, oh, thank God I watched that. And then she texted me and was like, oh, hey, they're coming over for dinner. We're going to pick up dinner. And then we're all going to watch The Mandalorian because they've been watching it, too. And I was like, oh, OK. And then I was... Uh, when she got home, I was going to, she's like, oh, did you get spoiled today? And I had to sit there and I'm like, oh, fuck, do I, do I just say no and then watch it or, but I was like, no, I went ahead and watched it. And she got like mad about it. And she's like, I rearranged the evening just so we could have dinner and watch this thing. And you already watched it. And I'm like, what are you getting mad for? You get to watch it. You this betrayed, you betrayed the trust. I guess so. It's the show trust. It has to be respected. <laughs> yeah. So I can't watch WandaVision either until she gets home from work. It sucks. Yeah. I uh, Fridays, I've kind of made it a ritual of I do not check Instagram. I don't get on any social medias. <laughs> I'll usually, just to keep myself occupied, I'll go grocery shopping or something whenever I get, or I get off work. Something that'll take me a couple hours until she's home. <laughs> we have a billion boxes of uh, Cheez-Its because I've been grocery shopping for the right. past five weeks after work. <laughs> I brought all these boarhead sliced meats. We don't need them, but oh. I just didn't want spoilers. I'm actually not even... The funniest thing is I don't even get real upset about spoilers. Yeah. I would just prefer not have them. If that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. I'm not one of those people that's like, oh my god, they told me about the season finale of Mandalorian. Now I have to go blow my brains out. 
Well, I don't take it that seriously either, but I would rather I would rather be surprised than uh Right. Hmm. I don't know. As long as as long as you're not the type of person that's going on Facebook and just intentionally broadcasting spoilers. Yeah. I'm usually pretty okay. Uh I've only purposefully ruined it for somebody once just because he's being an asshole. So it's d- a direct punishment? I actually yeah, think that's it, pretty funny. Because he was being a dick, and it's the same guy I was arguing with today about uh, if Gina Carano was being anti-Semitic or not. And he was being a douche about it. He's like, well, I'm just going to wait till the entire season's on before I watch The Mandalorian. And I was like, oh, too bad. You should watch it. Boba Fett's in it. And he's like, God damn it. And I'm like, well, that's what you get for, for like... There's like two episodes left of the season. You haven't watched it yet. Yeah, people are terrible. <laughs> I was I was talking to somebody about it and trying to like explain the difference because they were like, well, people call people Nazis all the time and don't get in trouble. And I was like, yeah, but that's not what she did. Like, if you call somebody a Nazi, that's a dumb fucking assholey insult to throw at somebody. Well, but it she used to be until the Nazis <laughs> the recent right, right, in yeah. our society. <laughs> right. But the comment she made wasn't saying those guys are Nazis. She was saying my mild inconvenience is just as bad as the suffering of Holocaust survivors is essentially yep. what she said. And it's like, well, you shouldn't have said that. <laughs> like no. that's that was a terrible, stupid thing to say out loud. Mm-hmm. And I don't even uh, I'll give her the benefit of the doubt that she didn't intentionally mean it like that. But yeah, that's she probably certainly did. what it means to say that. Which yeah. which just it doesn't just inflate your own suffering hyperbolically, but it denigrates the suffering of people who have had the worst things happen to them. Yeah. Yeah, that's that was that was part of my argument today. He's like, well, we're not really anti-Semitic. And I'm like, it was totally anti-Semitic. And she's basically taking a terrible event that happened to an entire race of people and downgrading it to a mild inconvenience. And I think that's pretty shitty. Well, then, people who call people Nazis, should they all be fired? And I'm like, if they're Nazis, then it's valid. So, I don't know. We're right back to where we started sure this episode. I'm, I'm sure I'm glad we went full circle. That's really helpful. Yeah. Start depressing. A little fun in the middle there. Yeah. Guess yeah. remember when Eric called Speak. in. That's good. Speaking of authoritarian fascists, let's talk about Wanda's control over her neighbors. <laughs> uh, well, see, we're like an 80s sitcom. When you when you end the eighty sitcom, you have to you have to end right where you began. The status quo has to be reestablished before the next episode. Is there a podcast version of taking a knee to explain the moral? There's <laughs> <laughs> uh, no moral to our fucking show. Don't imply that. Podcast. A little a little bit of the truth of the behind the scenes podcasting making there's actually two dogs because legally one dog can't work full time did you know that uh chuck woolery does a podcast called blunt force truth there's just a lot of bunch of right-wing conspiracy bullshit fuck 
guys like that. He's the worst kind of like neoconservative too, because he's like always like, oh, we don't need to help people. They can just take care of themselves. And it's like, yeah, we'll all be game show hosts. That's right. Because (laughs) of the intense skill you have of being a game show host, that's what makes you so fucking special. Well, I'll do that. And you you go ahead and you tell people working in fucking coal mines that they're not entitled to pay raises because you're a game show host. So why can't everybody just be as successful as you? Fucking piss me off. Those are the worst kinds of people, man. <laughs> people who win the fucking game and then want to change the rules to make it harder for everybody else. I fucking hate that. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. So I think what Fuck what we can shit. all su- what we can all sum it up is, at the end of the day, it's just fuck Chuck Woolery. <laughs> That's Doug number two coming in with those hard hitting facts. <laughs> Uh, do we want to end on a good game show uh, host story? Do we ever? What the fuck kind of? That's not even a real question. It does not this, qualify uh, as a question. Does this involve Steve Harvey tearing a hole in space and time with his big ass teeth? It does not. Um, so apparently, uh, sadly, after Alex Trebek's passing, um, he stated to have all of his clothes, all of his wardrobe, you know, all this suits he wears and stuff for the show donated to an organization that helps uh like homeless people and stuff for job interviews so essentially some homeless guys are going to be wearing one of trebek's suits to a job interview here's the truth every one of them motherfuckers is getting that job (laughs) trebek got them good suits that's right. Said so back in the eighties. Back in the eighties, he wore a couple silver suits that were pretty gross. <laughs> that wasn't his fault. It was the 80s. Brian was trying to end things on a positive note. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say good night. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.